0: How you doing there? Just a quickie before we start. On the Apple podcast, why don't you double-click on David McWilliams Plus? It's right there when you open the podcast. You get ad-free, you unlock early access. Just double-click and away you go. David McWilliams Plus. You get this pure and simple. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature.
1: This podcast is powered by ACAST.
0: How are you doing there? It's podcast time. All is good. Kilconomics tickets are on sale. And in fact, this podcast is going to be, are we returning to the 70s, which is a show we're doing at Kilconomics? But another show we're doing, which is the end of globalization with Nassim Taleb, mm-hmm. Sonny Kapoor, Pippa Malgram. And Etche Temelkern, what a lineup!
1: And it's That's going to be incredible lineup. Yeah, no, actually. it's a
0: great Yanis Varoufakis confirmed yesterday. He's
1: been on. He loves the economics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talib swaggers it. around. We will, we're going to have
0: Javier Blass on. We're going to have Sarah Cullen, who you might have met from Doki. Angela Ung on the economics of the global energy crisis. Keeping the lights on. We're doing economics, climate change. We're doing what the central banks do next. Paul McCulley's coming
1: over. Oh, great. Yeah, Preacher Paul.
0: Preacher Paul's coming over. So we've got a whole load. So we've got to have a look. Kilconomics.com for tickets. Economics of sport. Qatar. Corruption. Cash, who's, who's, who's talking on that? Simon Cooper from the FT. Brilliant. One of the great football writers. Peter Antonioni is back, yeah. right? <laughs> Martin Lustow. From Argentina, because yeah. remember we might remember we did a podcast on Maradona. Yes, and Martin's back from Argentina, and Maureen Can, who's the the Times in the UK's economics correspondent, a mad football fan. And is she? Yeah, 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 brilliant. And all sorts, of, all brilliant. sorts, of, all sorts of good good stuff, you know, coming up. And of course, there's you and me. Well, hey, the <laughs> podcast is on Friday, the third, seven p.m. the Watergate Theatre. So get your tickets. Right, Did, didn't even know that. No. You didn't even know it. <laughs> Kilkenomics.com. Of course, we're doing a crypto piece. Noah Smith is coming from the States as well. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, he's bringing his rabbits. To, he's going to bring all his rabbits. He's going to try and get them in. We're going to have a crypto after the crash piece. Larry Kyo, Stephen Deal, Katie Martin, the FT's markets editor, and Noah Smith. on that's also on Friday. So loads of gigs, loads Excellent. of gigs. So, Have a look,
1: kilkenomics.com. It's going to be a humdinger.
0: It is going to be a humdinger. It is, as I was trying to explain to somebody, it's Ireland as we love it. It's going to be cold. It's going to be dark. It's going to be wet. It's going to be Kilkenny, first weekend of November. We have theatres, bars. We're trying to get the courthouse as well. We're going to do a piece called Economics on Trial. We're going to get economists, economists to defend themselves and all their bad. Oh, nice! Yeah. And we're going to Are you and going to have the gavel? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Anyway, all is good. If you don't know Kilkenny, one of the great cities in Ireland, it is a city. It was enshrined a city many, many years ago. It is full of fantastic little bars and restaurants and
1: venues. It's
0: one of the one of the great places. And and a it's
1: a big, big old castle, which is massive fantastic. big castle
0: as well. Yeah, yeah, the the seat of Ormond. Mm. Okay who got their money, do you know how they got their money? Well, on. one of the various ways they got their money is the Ormond family managed to secure the license from the King of England. We were doing that English stuff last week. The yeah. King of England, that all wine imported from France into England had to be stamped in Kilkenny. What, what, every bottle came every, through Kilkenny. Yes, every legal bottle. And that's how they made their money. Wow. Yeah, I'd amazing? say a few bottles of a mitten. I'd say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, do you know the hole in the wall, the venue we do, right? Yes. The yeah, hole yeah. in the wall, okay. This is an amazing venue. Okay, off High Street in Kilkenny. The hole in the wall was originally was originally a house for anti-royalist campaigners for the Irish Confederacy. You know, we had a confederation, yeah. right? And that was their meeting place, the hole in the wall. Right. So it's an extraordinary venue. Anyway, that's enough of that Kilconomics. Kilgonomics.com. John, today I want to talk about the immersion. Right. Do you okay. remember the immersion? Do you remember our mothers? I do, right? Yeah. Uh, right? Irish people of a certain age will remember that the worst crime you could commit in the house was leaving on the immersion. Yeah. Right? And like <laughs> yes, your mother it would go, missing yes, was. And like to be roaring, who left on the immersion? <laughs> right? All the way through the 70s and even into the 80s, right? So I'm sure other Irish people. Maybe I, I also think British people as well. The immersion heater yeah. was a sign of
1: unbelievable wealth if you could leave on the immersion. But you know what the what the best invention was after the immersion was the timer that you could put on it. <laughs> yes, I, I remember. I remember the little the little, little roundy thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So we're that talking. That kind of saved so. Much. We're talking
0: immersions, <laughs> immersion timers. We're also talking about the fact that when I was a kid, I used to have to have a bath after my sisters in the same water. Yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Like be my big sister, my middle sister, and yeah. then me, right?
1: I okay. remember washing my hair in the sink.
0: Yeah, but be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with a tap, right? Yeah. Now, of course,
1: the reason... And of course, by the way, 70s hair was big hair. 70s so there was, hair a, was great hair. There was, there was a lot there of was a lot washing of it. Yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Big froze, big froze. But the reason we're talking about the immersion, sorry, we haven't just gone off on one. The reason we're talking about immersion <laughs> is the fact that in the 1970s and into the 1980s, Irish people... British people I know as well, maybe Europeans, I'm not too sure, had an obsession with the immersion heater because the cost of energy, the cost of electricity Mm. was so high relative to everything else. And why is that? Because of the energy crisis in the 1970s, right? And fascinatingly, fascinatingly, the reason the poor old immersion has disappeared from common parlance over the last 20 years is the price of energy relative to everything else has fallen dramatically? And now we're in a new world where the price of energy is going back to 1970s levels. And the question is are we going back to the 70s completely, right? In right. almost every aspect. Because with like
1: swirly carpets, with swirly carpets and, 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 and that color
0: palette. And choppers, exactly. <laughs> and spaghetti, spaghetti, alphabet spaghetti. Yeah. You know, all everything sort of is thing.
1: brown and orange.
0: No, but if you look at what's going on in, in the world, right? We have the war in Ukraine, we have soaring energy prices, and we have inflation going through. For for example, right, this week, the ECB raised interest rates by 0.75%, so less than 1%. Yeah. But the rate of inflation is 10% in Europe. So the real rate of interest is minus 9%, minus 9.25%. Right. Explain that a little bit more. So basically what's happening is the ECB needs to get on top of this inflation. But what they don't want to do is precipitate a recession at a time when the economies are going into a tailspin anyway. Mm. And why are they going into a tailspin? It's all related to energy. Because once inflation goes up, your real income falls dramatically unless your wages go up. And wages aren't going up just yet. So what the ECB has got to do is they've got to try and raise rates. Mm. Now, the reason they've also, the reason they've got trying and raise rates, is the euro is getting very, very weak against the dollar. Now, initially, that was fine because it really meant that the euro's weakness in Europe is what we call monetary easing in Europe. It's making monetary conditions easier, right? Yeah. But the problem is it's getting too weak too quickly. And the reason it's getting too weak too quickly is because everybody knows, the world knows, that Europe is much more dependent on Russia than anywhere else. Yeah. America is self-sufficient in energy. Yeah, They've, yeah. That's that's a huge change, right? And also the locomotive of the European economy is Germany. And when you actually strip everything away, Germany has been getting an energy-free lunch for the last 30 years. So the massive subsidy the Germans have got from cheap Russian energy has boosted their manufacturing base, has allowed them to export, and has allowed them to play the leading role. Because I remember we said years ago, Germany is a bizarre country. It imports fossil fuels to make stuff that consume fossil fuels, yeah. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, it yeah, imports yeah. gas and energy from, from the rest of the world. It puts them together in German factories, and it largely makes machines, cars, mm. trucks, etc. Right? right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Which burn fossil fuels. Yeah. So it's an entirely fossil fuel-dependent economy. Now, if energy prices remain high, the entire German industrial model, which has boosted Europe for the last 40 years, has got to look for an alternative source of energy. So it means the cost base of Germany and Japan is going Mm. to rise because Japan and Germany are interesting in one case, one way. They're both the biggest exporters per head in the world, okay, even bigger than China, Mm. but they're also entirely dependent on energy from outside. So, so Japan what... has no resources and Germany has no resources.
1: So, so what, what's that going to do to Europe then like this as, is, a, as a whole?
0: This is, why the, this is why the euro is falling in value because international investors are saying, hold on a second, the Europeans, they don't just have, we don't just have an inflation problem. Mm. We have manufacturing model problem because European manufacturing depends entirely on imported energy, particularly Germany. Mm. Less so France because of its nuclear power but particularly Germany. And that's a huge, huge dilemma because it means our entire... Now, of course, bizarrely, Ireland, because we export services, yeah. is quite energy efficient. We don't have big manufacturing bases.
1: Well, we've got big data centres now that are, data centers, that are yeah. taking up what something like 15% of the, of the energy. That's a huge problem. I, I want to come back to the Irish energy issue in a second, but what... Jacob Rees-Mogg said the other day, I know, I know. John,
0: okay, like, last year you were uh, obsessed with Trump. Now you're obsessed with Liz <laughs> Truss. Get it out of your bleeding head. No, no, okay? no, no, but... but
1: and Re- Jacob Rees-Mogg is a gobshite. He's a gobshite, but what he did, he's now Energy Secretary. And what he did... And he's say, a climate denier. Yes, he is. He's so a climate what, change denier, yeah. But, but what he did say the other day was that they are going to reopen all the fracking in the UK. So they're gonna trash the UK environment, but that might make the UK more energy independent. And will the UK then take over from Germany? We have we have a great kiltonomics
0: show, which is called The UK Failed State or Gammon Tiger. Right? Right? Do you know what a gammon is in the UK? Yeah. You know what they refer to a gammon? Is a kind of an overweight Tory in red trousers. Yeah. Right? Okay. Gammon man, yeah. Gammon man, right? And Dave's right, I believe in Brexit now, of yeah. course. Rhys Moggs is the prince of gammon's, okay? Yeah. Now, gammon tiger comes from the fact that we had the Celtic tiger, right? And many, many years ago, I did an interview for The Spectator, years ago, Yeah. on the boom in Ireland. I think it was 2000, 2001. Very nice guy called Edward Chancellor interviewed me. Fantastic. He has written great books on economic mm. history. But the sub-editor... The little Tory shithawk in the spectator, uh, rather than call Ireland the Celtic Tiger, called it Pedato Tiger. That was their oh, headline. Jesus, man. So now we're getting them back saying gammon fucking tiger. Okay. <laughs> so if you gammons can replete yeah. So the idea is: is Britain a failed state, or does it become a gammon tiger? Yeah. i.e., all the policies and fracking is one of the
1: Fue- fueled by the fracking, but, yeah.
0: Let's go back to the 70s. Let's go back to the 70s, right? So the question then is. Are we going back to the 70s? And what sort of battles are coming down the track? Mm. One of the interesting things is that if you look at, for example, the war in Ukraine, right? The war in Ukraine is also a war about ideas, right? So you have a contrast between our worldview, which is a function of the last 40 years. So mm. our societies are cosmopolitan, legalistic in the sense that the law, make some sense. The citizen can go to the courts and defend him or herself. Yeah, They are cosmopolitan, i.e. we've got lots of different races, and they are liberal. So that's our worldview. On the other hand, you have the Russian, Chinese, increasingly worldview, where, and of course, we're not nationalistic, right? That's our essential thing, is that nationalism, we've joined the European Union, we've signed sure. the anglo sure, Irish sure. Agreement. Yeah. It's all about Diminishing nationalism. And on the other side, you have this extraordinary different ideology, which is nationalistic, which is dictatorial, which ultimately is homogenous, not cosmopolitan, and where the law, citizen has no rights in the law. They can't go to the law to actually undermine or question the government. And these huge battles are going on at the moment. And the question then is, how does the world react to this? How are we going to react to everything? Because I think this is ultimately where society is going. We have the energy crisis. It makes people very, very nervous. We have inflation. It makes people very, very anxious. Real incomes begin to fall. We've got to reconsider our manufacturing model in the light of the energy crisis. We also have this ideological battle between these two great camps. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And I suppose the question is, Where is it going to end? It feels like the 70s, but the issue is where is it going to end? And we're going to talk about that in a second. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
1: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: it's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: So, Mike, we were young fellas in the 70s. We were coming of age in the 70s. No, we were in primary school, John, 70s. Yeah, yeah, we but nice I, I, I was... I was ahead of the game, Max. Maybe David, you were. Always very mature, John Davis. Always very mature. <laughs> but but bring me back to the 70s and how the 70s okay. set up everything for what happened in the 80s, the 90s, and so on.
0: Okay. I think that's exactly where we want to go with this second half of the podcast. So 70s, you have the Yom Kippur War in 73, the Israeli-Arab yeah. War. The Arabs get really pissed off at the West for supporting the Israelis. They say, okay, we're going to react to your supporting the Israelis by increasing the energy prices fourfold, right? So you get this huge inflation shock. Now, what that does is that puts the manufacturing base of the West into a recession. It also causes a massive transfer of wealth, which is exactly what's going on now, from Energy consumers to energy producers. Yeah. The main energy producers at the time were the Middle East and Russia. Mm -hmm. The main energy consumers was the United States and Europe. Now, interestingly, the United States has reacted to that by becoming energy self-sufficient. The Europeans reacted to the Middle East threat by saying we can't depend on the Middle Easterns, so we'll even more depend on the Russians because they're more stable. Yeah as we know, very bad calculation, right? Yes, indeed. Okay, but the Americans said, no, hold on a second. We're going to actually make sure through fracking and a whole load of things that we become less energy dependent on Mm. the rest of the world, right? So you get this transfer of wealth. Problem was Russia and the Middle East economies were too small to absorb all this wealth. So the money that went to the Middle East gets recycled out of the Middle East because we forget like places like Dubai and Emirates and Saudi Arabia. These are very small economies. Yeah. They're very, very small places, right? Very, very small, small pop- population. Huge, yeah, really yeah. small populations. So that gets recycled out via the Western banking system, right? So the Western banking system then is full of the money that the Western consumers and producers have just given to the Arabs. Yeah. They say, what are we going to do with this? They say, ah, I know what we'll do with it. We lend it to the third world. Because at the same time as energy prices were going up, commodity prices were going up. And what is the so-called third world or developing world or whatever we call it now? Yeah. It produces commodities. So that Western money goes to the Arabs, goes to the Arabs back to the US banking system, goes from the US banking system to the third world. So Argentina, Mexico, Brazil, all of Africa get these enormous amounts of cheap loans, right? The bankers trying to figure out who can we lend. Mm. What did the Russians do with the money? The Russians invaded Afghanistan with the money.
1: Okay. that was also a miscalculation. Also
0: a miscalculation. So Russia buys itself another, let's say, or the Soviet Union, another 10 years of its existence because this system was so destroyed. But you get a huge windfall and you can spend your way for a while. And that's exactly what what they Mm. did. And people would argue that the reason Gorbachev dismantled everything was to do with the oil price. So that's what happened. Now, interestingly, interestingly, The West then has an inflation problem and a recession problem. And in 1978, 79, ideologically, the West begins to change. And the West begins to say, through Thatcher and Reagan, we need a different economic model. Mm. Okay, that economic model has to be a smaller state, lower taxes, deregulation, globalization. Trickle down. Trickle down, okay. At the same time, an even much more consequential a very, very small man, Deng Xiaoping, in China, yeah. is actually coming up with the idea after the Cultural Revolution. So the Cultural Revolution is happening in the 60s and 70s, right? The Gang of Four in China. Yeah. And the Communist Party in China, under people like Deng, just realizes, hold on a second, this Mao stuff is crazy. Yeah. We've had massive famines. We we have the maybe the poorest people on earth are in China. Yeah, And they say, hold on a second, we're going to open up. So you have a reaction to the 70s. Russia and Soviet Union in the Anglosphere, right? I exclude us from this because we're a bizarre Anglosphere, right? Of liberalization, deregulation, la la la. And then you have the Chinese opening up, which means that the world is put on a totally different trajectory. Then what happens is the first plank for the Anglosphere is we need to get rid of inflation. Yeah. So what they do is they absolutely stamp out inflation by pushing interest rates up to 20% in the US. People can't get their heads around it like, yeah, interest rates. massive. at 22%, it? they peaked it. 22% market interest rates in the United States. So you've yeah. got a huge recession in the States. But what they do is they ring inflation out of the system. Now, how do they do that? They do it with unemployment. So you have the beginning... Of what I would call your Springsteen generation songs. You know, the river and all that stuff. All about the end of the blue-collar worker in the States. Exactly the same thing happens in the United Kingdom as well, right? The miner's strike. The the miner's strike,
1: I was going to say, And of course,
0: Mrs. Thatcher, the miner's strike was precipitated by the government. Everyone says it's precipitated by the miners. The government stockpiled coal extraordinarily from Poland. Poland, yeah. Buying coal from Jaruzelski, the Polish communist who use the English money to stamp out solidarity. It's really fascinating when you think of it. But they stockpiled coal from Poland so that when they took on the miners, there wouldn't be an energy crisis. They'd have surplus coal. And they took on the miners and they beat them in the end, right? So all this is going on, but interest rates then start to fall because inflation falls. You get a rally in stock markets that went on for nearly 30 years Based largely on the fact that long-term interest rates were incredibly low, and long-term interest rates set what's called the discount price for assets. Right, so everything is priced against long-term interest rates. Right, right? just because explain companies that. Companies little... borrow. So, so the way you value companies, there's many ways of valuing companies, mm. but one of the ways you value companies is you look at what they call their free cash flow. Yeah. Right, and of course, you have your cash flow is based on the rate of interest, right? So as the rate of interest falls dramatically, your cash flow expands dramatically. Right. So what you have yes, is you've got yes. this extraordinary globalization. The Chinese come into the world. Soviet Union collapses. Liberalization is a thing. People start to travel a lot. Interest rates are low, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So the way in which the world reacted to the inflation and the shocks of the 1980s, 70s, which are quite similar to the shocks of now, was that we opened. Mm. Problem now is the way in which we are likely to react, or at least the signals are, to very similar types of shocks, is we're closing. So rather than China and America opening and China opening, we now have a trade war between China and America. Yes. Probably will get worse over yeah. Taiwan. Now, rather than the Soviet Union opening, Russia is closing. We have sanctions against the Russians. We have yeah. counter sanctions against us. So what you have, and you've, of course, we've, we've got electorates are not voting for liberalization anymore. They're voting for more regulation. We want the mm. state to protect us. So we're going into an era of the big state.
1: So, is it, sorry, is this just yet another cycle? So we'll do this for a few years and then we'll come out the other side.
0: Maybe, maybe. I'm just, what I'm saying is what What fascinates me is if you look back at economic history, the events are quite similar. They're never the same. They're quite similar. Yeah. But the reaction is quite, quite different. Now, that's the long-term reaction. What's interesting about the 70s, right, John, is that we in the West allowed inflation in the 70s to become ingrained in double-digit rates for about five or six years, right? Now, if you think politicians were very, very, very clever, what that actually did, and this is the interesting thing because what is the dilemma in the world at the moment? The huge dilemma is too much debt, Yeah. right? Now, how do you get rid of debt? You either pay it back or you inflate it away. Now, if you look at the 70s, all the debts that were incurred in the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, early 1970s, which there were many, but not mm. the same set now, ended up being inflated away in the inflation of the late 1970s, right? So basically, people in Ireland in the 80s, although they were worried about their mortgage rate, they weren't worried about the actual capital on their houses. The reason is house prices went up really, really rapidly with inflation, right? Right. So there is a possibility that inflation is allowed to remain higher for longer. And the reason we will do that is we will inflate away the debts that we've incurred since the global financial crisis and since the COVID crisis. So there's a very interesting and maybe quite clever strategy, which is if you imagine the Europeans and the Americans allowed inflation from 73 to 82 to run rampant, okay? Mm wiped out all the debts that were incurred prior to that. And then they put on the break and they increased interest rates by but, 20%. But did, that might happen again.
1: But that, that had a really detrimental effect on the developing world, though, didn't it?
0: It did have a de- detrimental effect. The problem with the developing world was they had incurred huge debts in dollars. And when the Americans increased their interest rates, the dollar rose. Yeah. That means that the developing world, like Mexico, Argentina, Brazil had to produce more commodities to pay for the same debts because those debts were now valued yeah. in a different but, but, currency. But then th- th- that leads, And they all defaulted. In 1982, in 1983, 1984. Argentina, Mexico, Brazil defaulted. All of Africa defaulted. The third world debt crisis came. Yes. Okay. And they were locked out of the world for about 20, 20 years. I mean, the Argentinians and Brazilians only came back into the financial markets in the early 90s. So about 10 years they were locked in
1: the But also what that does as well at the end of the day is it increases immigration.
0: Interestingly,
1: it, it does now because yeah. our borders are more open, but it
0: didn't hugely in the 1980s. So what actually happened is most of Latin America and most of Africa stayed put. Right. But that's But now borders are much more open and now migration is much more acceptable on both sides. We accept much more immigrants and they're much more likely to move. Yeah. So, so what we have is this bizarre sort of reaction to similar problems. We are now going to be more closed. Nationalism is kind of back. The big state is back. And at the same time, at the same time, there is a four or five year view that inflation might remain quite high in order to reduce the debts that we incurred, in order to reset the economy, let's say not in 2022, 24, 25, but about 26, 2026, to reset the global economy. Right. I mean, that is the way the world looks to me. I mean, obviously within this is all sorts of ups and downs and crises and la, la, la. But that looks to me like a fairly logical global strategy and a fairly logical global strategy that looking at the Fed and the ECB, they seem
1: to be going along with. Okay, Mark, just to bring it back to here then. So when you talk about inflation, I mean, an inflating debt away, that's all well and good for people who own shit, as you say. Exactly. And not so good for... For people
0: who don't own. Yeah. Yeah, so what we have, I think what we're facing into in the next couple of years is a monumental struggle, a battle between people who own assets, people who don't own assets between savers and borrowers, between debtors and creditors, Mm. and ultimately between the young and the old. Yeah. Because inflation now, for those people who own assets, will suit the old very, very well. And it will punish the young, right? Because the young will have to chase those asset prices upwards. Whereas, and this is what I believe all elections are going to be about for the next couple of years in the West. there's going to be obviously elections about the big global issues, but the bread and butter issues here are always who gets the sweeties, who doles them out, who gets their fair share, who doesn't. And looking at Irish politics and looking at politics around Europe and looking at the United States, what I see is policies, the great expression, the gerundocracy.
1: Gerontocracy. Yes, I have heard that one no, before, okay. go
0: it's, on. It's, it's, it's basically a democracy run by geriatrics,
1: <laughs> by old people. Yeah.
0: And what we're seeing now is this coming to fruition, that the core, core battle in economics can be reduced down to a generational war between the young and the old. And that, I think is going to be the defining issue of our generation.
1: Just a reminder that tickets for Kilconomics are on sale now. As the world's only economics and comedy festival, it kicks off in the city of Kilkenny from the 3rd till the 6th of November. And it's going to be a humdinger this year. One city, three days, 50 events. Don't miss it. Check out Kilconomics.com.